What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Overflow Beyond the Music podcast. This is episode three. I'm your host, Josh McCabe, and I'm coming to you right now from my couch. And I'm up here in Canada where I currently reside for the next month or so before moving to Nashville. Uh, I just got back off a little bit of a Christmas tour with my friend Brooke Nichols. We were playing some Christmas shows in and around the west coast of Canada, and I am tired, exhausted, and fired up at the same time because I'm really excited about this episode. And so I'm sitting here with some coffee, got a glass of water, got a little candle going, looking outside. There's snow outside because this is Canada. And um, just so pumped to get into this podcast. This episode that we've got for you, I'm really excited about because I feel like I just got to sit down and catch up with a friend. And our guest in this podcast is going to be none other than Dan Bremness. And uh, man, you are just going to love him. He's just such a chill guy, such a fun guy. And uh, we dive into some really fun stuff, including some unique music videos that he shot. So this will definitely be a fun one for us to explore together. I first met Dan about a year ago, and we did a tour together, a Christmas tour, oddly enough. And uh, to be honest, I'm going to be honest, I'm not sure I've ever told him this, so he's probably going to listen to this podcast and find out, and I'm going to be outed. But I had listened to his music, and I had seen some online stuff from him, and I immediately thought, this guy seems like a super nice guy. We probably are not going to be friends. We're probably very different and very opposite. And you know what the truth is? We we are very different, but yet we've become really good friends over the last year. And he's just been influential, encouraging me on my journey as a musician and really just helping to advise me on different things and uh, decisions to be made. And uh, I'm looking forward to being neighbors with him. We're moving down to Nashville and... Uh, in January, my family and I, and uh, looking forward to being able to hang out with him more. Speaking of Nashville, my wife is away right now, and I'm recording this podcast while my kids are at school. And I got to tell you, my my appreciation for what my wife does when I'm on the road is it's gone up tenfold because I'm at home right now getting both kids ready for school. They're six and four, getting all their lunches packed homework, reading assignments, all that stuff. And uh, she's normally doing it by herself. But right now she's on a two-week tour out with uh, 10th Avenue North and Loving the Outcome and a brand new band called Land of Color. And she's out there actually nannying and taking care of the kids of Chris and Jody from Loving the Outcome and just having a blast. And um, I'm pumped for my wife that she's able to do it because uh, her and Jody of Love and the Outcome have just become like soul sisters, and we just love that band. We love what they're about. We love their kids, and uh, I'm pumped that my wife's able to be out there doing that, but that means that I have some additional responsibilities back home, and uh, I'm enjoying it. Really, really, I am, and so I'm not in over my head yet. The kids are wearing clean clothes. They have been bathed. They have been well-fed. It hasn't been pizza every night, pizza and chips, but... Um, no, I'm doing, I'm doing okay here. And, uh, so this is my little window of opportunity to dive in into a podcast before my kids get home from school. Now I got to ask you, because I'm, I'm a little curious, my kids are starting to get to the age where they're listening to music. They're starting to explore listening to different music, uh, whether it be on YouTube or an app or, or whatever that looks like. 
But I'm finding myself weighing in a lot about their choices. And and not even so much from a, you know, is this clean? Is this is this a message I want my kids listening to? Although that is very important to us as well. But I find myself weighing in because I want to make sure they're liking good music. I want to make sure that my kids grow up appreciating a little rock and roll, maybe a little bit of country, maybe a little bit of Johnny Cash. Uh, I want to make sure that they appreciate some of the same stuff I do. So sometimes I find myself changing the music on them or making some of these songs that I don't love difficult to find. Is Does that make me a bad parent or am I really just helping to steer them in a good direction? I don't know. Give me some feedback on that. And maybe one of the best places for you to do that would be by following us on Instagram. You can follow us on Instagram at the Overflow BTM. That's at the Overflow BTM, BTM standing for Beyond the Music, which is the name of this podcast. And so we would love to hear from you. We'd love for you to follow us, love for you to share some of uh, our posts with people. But also, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know what your name is, where you're from, how you're listening to the podcast, how you found us. And also, we just really, really want to know who you'd love to see on the podcast. We are listening and definitely wanting to hear from you. So make sure that you give us a follow online at the Overflow BTM on Instagram. Check that out. Okay, so before we head into our interview with Dan Bremness, I want us to take a quick look around at some music news going on in the area of Christian music, and let's head into it right now with our segment appropriately titled, The News. The News. All right, so the creepy news music is still here. Apparently, we have not changed that yet, so we're just going to keep rolling with it. But hey, news item number one for us right now. One of my favorite sites to go to to find out what's going on in Christian music news is newreleasetoday.com. They are just uh, the leading voice in news for that uh, genre and for that area, and uh, they are launching their We Love Christian Music Awards, and I want to encourage you to go over to newreleasetoday.com to begin to vote now. It's a fan-supported, fan-voting uh, award show, and I want to make sure that you get in on that right now. Go over to New Release Today, vote for your favorite artist. You decide. There's 23 categories, so make sure you go check that out right away. Hillsong United has just announced a USA tour of 2019. Yes, they are going on tour. And, uh, man, their last tour was just so incredible. Lauren Daigle opened it. But this year, they're bringing out Amanda Cook from Bethel Music and Mac Brock, uh, formerly of Elevation Worship. And, wow, just what an incredible lineup, an incredible night that's going to be. It's kicking off in April in Austin, Texas, and it wraps up July 2nd in New York City at Madison Square Garden. What an incredible tour this is going to be. Stay posted. Get your tickets. You are not going to want to miss out on this highly anticipated Hillsong United tour. All right, so on our last episode, we mentioned that uh, the band Hawk Nelson had released a brand new music video that was shot entirely on an iPhone. And the video for Parachutes just absolutely incredible. And so I had to get 
my buddy John Steingard, who is the lead singer of Hawk Nelson and also just a video wizard. I needed to get him on the phone and find out where the whole concept and idea of filming a music video entirely on iPhone came from. Yeah, recently I decided I wanted to shoot an entire music video on iPhone. And so uh, we did that with the Hawk guys. We shot a video for Parachute um, in the uh, White Sand National Monument in New Mexico. I just remember being there a few years before and it was such an epic place that I was like, I bet you it would look great even on an iPhone. And that made me think, well, like, wouldn't it be cool if we actually shot a music video on an iPhone and we could, you know, say, hey, you know, you don't need a $10,000 camera to shoot a music video. And uh, so we had a, a really fun time knocking that out. And while that wraps up our news segment, make sure you go check out that video from Hawk Nelson called Parachute. Thanks, John, for joining us. John will be appearing later in this podcast a little bit uh, in and out of our interview. But without wasting any more time, this week's guest, his name is Dan Bremnis. He signed to Word Records. He's going to be heading out on the Winter Jam Tour this year. He just released uh, a project this fall called Wherever I Go. He's got another one coming out in the new year. He's got an incredible voice, incredible songwriter, incredible performer, one of the most creative hardworking, find a way to get it done, find a way to be unique, always got a crazy idea kind of guy. So Dan and I recently had the chance to sit down, and uh, here's my conversation with Dan Bremnis. All right, well, here we are. We are here with this episode's guest, episode 003 episode three to say it a little easier and we're here I'm with one third. of my good buddies dan bremnis how are you doing man i'm feeling great i'm the third episode that's awesome you are the third episode and um so far we are uh three episodes and three canadians oh okay so i don't know if this is like a theme that is going on here and i realize it, that most of our listeners are going to be outside of canada but it could be the reason could be is that you've you live in canada that could be part and of it. And all of your interviews have been in Canada. That's true. Some of the, a lot of them. I'm have, not a detective, but I'm just. I'm you sorry. may know that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you. That's the thing about you. you you're <laughs> from Canada, but you would call Nashville, Tennessee, home. Ex- explain that to me. Uh, <clears throat> well, I guess home is where you are, um, living currently. So yes. Um, we, we moved there like three ish, four years ago. It's still a little on and off. Um, but, um, that is, yeah, I guess all of our stuff is there. So that's home for, I would say three quarters of the year. And so the other quarter of the year, where, where's your, where's your residence? Where, where do you guys occupy? Is it East coast, West coast? Because here's the thing for, um, our friends in the South, I'm not sure if this happens to you. When you say you're from Canada, they automatically think of the other Canadian that they know, right? And assume that you must know them, because and I do. We yeah, it's it's funny how often that works out that we actually do know them, but <laughs> our country's massive. It's geographically huge. Yes. Um, for the other part of the year, uh, well, let's just talk about this year. This year, um, we were in Iceland for a part of it. We were in British Columbia in Canada for part of it and um uh new zealand for part of it so kind of bounce around uh, it sort of all has to do with what's happening with music 
and um you know in the summertime music isn't as busy in the united states so it allows us to go home and it allows us to go overseas and we like to take those opportunities when we get them to travel as a family and so your family comes with you a lot of the time rarely rarely (laughs) (laughs) it's rare but um in those off sort of months like even now we're sitting here in this like super quaint classic canadian basement like i'm looking at this fireplace i feel like i'm on the bay commercial like in the 70s yes Uh, i need my hudson's bay blanket we're in ontario right now and um we just came from being in calgary for two weeks and now ontario for two weeks so that's a full month uh away from nashville and um like i said we're in iceland before that guys some music stuff we were there for two weeks and so it's sort of unpredictable but when there's like a stint where I'm not like moving every single day and I'm just kind of staying put for a week or two. Um, and, uh, if we can make it happen, it, yeah, the family comes along. So yeah, your family, t- tell me about your family and kids. I assume when you say family married, I, I know these answers, but I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to give a little suspense for the listener. So I'm, uh, married to, um, beautiful woman, Brittany, and we have two kids, Eli and Eden. They're five and one. So we're sort of in the thick of it. Yeah, it's to keep you busy, though. Yeah. How has, uh, I asked this in our last podcast, but how has having children changed the way that you write music? Uh, It means that I write a lot less of it at home. That's for starters. Mm -hmm. Uh, As far as the content, um. My, I've I've sung about my children a few times um, on past records, and there's a record that's coming out that I actually wrote a song, sort of to my kids in their wow. future selves if they ever discover it. I'm not yeah. saying their exact names, but the they'll know one day that it's a like a letter to them. Um, so I think like anything else, the experiences of life kind of creep into um, the outflow of what you write artistically somehow. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the whole reason why we started this podcast is because there's these stories from artists that, that I'm not sure that, you know, a 30-second, two-minute radio interview can ever do justice to. And I kind of wanted this podcast to be, hey, if an artist was to write a, you know, 25-page article about their journey, what would that look like? And and I always think it's interesting to go back to where it all started. So where did it start for you in this musical journey? journey uh did you grow up in the church did you grow up uh, in a christian home how did that look for you i grew up in a little town called salmon arm british columbia basically um just picture like the swiss alps and the swiss family robinson and we lived next door to the swiss family robinson we were not them (laughs) (laughs) um but like just set in the middle of nature lots of waterfalls and lakes and beautiful small um, I'm a pastor's kid, one of three kids and the only sort of, I guess, musical one in the family. My brother played drums for a bit, but other than that, um, yeah, I was sort of the first one to get that spark or that dream or whatever you want to call it at a young age and, um, definitely has been the journey. When, when did you sense that spark that it was more than just, uh, fiddling around with a guitar well i think one of my first memories i was probably three or four and i i like went to church one night and the band was playing and i saw the drummer and i was like 
that seems like the life. I want to be a drummer. <laughs> and that actually was the first instrument that I learned and played for years. And I toured with other artists playing drums and before I ever wrote a song. Did you have the chance to steward or grow that gift within the church or was it mostly outside on your own? Uh, a little of both. I like played in church, played drums and sang and led worship in church. And then also um, I was in like a bunch of punk rock bands and as you do in the, um, yeah. the early 2000s. And I had a class in school and uh, we learned about recording, engineering, production, writing slash charts, uh, mixing, all of it. It was really educational. It was really instrumental in, in my like recording <clears throat> journey as an artist. And, yeah. and then I played, you know, lots of festivals that weren't like in the church, battles of bands, played the Vans Warp Tour when I was like 18. Wow. Uh, won a competition to do that with one of my recordings I did at school. So there was a lot of uh, sort of weaving in and out. Mm-hmm. Did Do you remember that the first record in those, because those teenage years are pretty formative years in our musical journey. Uh, I think it's kind of when we start to adapt some of our own tastes and figure out what we like ourselves. Do you remember that first record that first album or even song that you go oh like this is this is my thing this is speaking to me it's probably a a tie between um uh like a jars of clay record and a collective soul record really yeah well and maybe even before that offspring or green day but that wasn't really that was sort of a more of a fling yeah whereas um the other stuff was more like I just fell in love with that sort of music. Um, had a little bit more depth and yeah, loved it. Jars of Clay, Much Afraid is still one of my favorite records of all oh, time. Yeah. It, to me, just never, it feels timeless to me. Yeah. Uh, it's one that many people would overlook. Yeah. To me, it was just sonically so great. And, and that just, for me, was like such a great record. And like, I think that was huge for me around ninth grade which is probably aging myself a little bit but when as your as your musical journey kind of went on did did you maybe find somebody that you looked to as a singer or a musician or a writer that that you aspired to be like that that spoke to you in that way and you thought man if I could just channel some of that was there any one person that you had looked to hmm that's a good question um there was like yeah there's Jars of Clay um, there was, I was a big Delirious fan, which I'm sure many yeah people listening to this or other artists would also claim that. Um, I don't know if there was a specific person, but it was, it was a few of those bands. Mm-hmm. Switchfoot, obviously. I yeah. mean, I, I just sound like a statistic now, Yeah, <laughs> but, um, I loved those, those bands. Um, just felt like they were doing something original. Mm-hmm. I was... I always look to, I mean, Delirious was huge for me as well because I loved Martin's ability to both perform and to lead worship and yet to challenge and provoke. And he, it was like he, he constantly danced that line so well. Yeah. And I feel like, I feel like he made a way for people to be okay with, with great art and performance and it still be Mm. about Jesus. Right. You know, 
And whereas, you know, I think so often we can try and just divide the two, like one's performance and one is worship. Do you, in your music, I mean, when you sing your songs and when you sing about what you write about, do you consider that to be worship in your, in your own life or in your own uh, expression? Yeah, I think by the time it hits my lips and comes out, it's already too late. I think that is sort of the, um, it's just something you can't fake. Mm-hmm. So like by the time a song comes out, it's our, it's being, it's either being born out of a, a history or a place of worship or not, mm-hmm. totally. I guess. Um, but as far as like something, the style of music, I would just, I would categorize something as congregational music Yeah, or, I would too. or, or not. Yeah. Um, but worship in and of itself, I find, yeah, that's, that's sort of the beginning. That's sort of the thing that happens before. And then I know I'm, maybe I'm sounding confusing, but <clears throat> I used to picture a lot of, um, put a lot of pressure or a lot of uh, weight on the actual performing, um, and, or, active writing or whatever. So like if I'm doing a tour, be praying a lot for the tour, uh, before we get on stage, make sure and everybody get together and pray. And there's like all this pressure on that moment. Mm -hmm. Now I'm sort of seeing it the other way around where I feel like worship is everything except that Mm -hmm. (laughs) when in reality, it's not, it's all of it, Yeah, for sure. but it's just sort of maybe the angle that I'm looking at it now. Worship is like, you know, all of everything else, the, the playing on stage, getting up and playing on stage, anyone can do that. Mm-hmm. And I find in that point where it's like, God can use that and do whatever he wants. And he's going to do it with or without my permission, probably without my even knowing it, uh, where my worship is, is something that leads up to all that. Well, I mean, and that's the thing too, where y- you can see Facebook's an interesting and a dangerous place sometimes. Because you can read all these comments from people you don't know, weighing in on stuff. And I remember reading a comment about somebody who used a like a cuss word in one of their posts or whatever. And and they were so concerned that this was going to lead people away from Jesus. I felt like saying, man, that's a lot of pressure to put on one person. That someone's right. salvation lies in their hands. Or as if somebody's encounter with Jesus would lie in your hands was there a moment when you just decide to take the pressure off and say you know what i'm just gonna lay down what i got yeah i mean i'm i some of my experiences with like spiritual experiences in music um for instance jars of clay when i i met them one day i i opened for them for a number of shows and got to know them a little bit and it was really special and I was just like, guys, you have no idea the impact you had on my life. And they're like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, <laughs> it's like yeah. most of the experiences I've had, spiritual experiences are, they don't have much to do with, um, it, it's just like you're saying that those people are just being honest and creating what they create and and God's using it in a bigger way. It's almost like this magnifying glass. Um, so I guess in a sense, yeah, I I, I hope that I don't. I'm not overthinking it and just sort of being myself. Yeah. I mean, with that said, do you feel like there is too much pressure on Christian artists today? Do you feel like there is maybe a, a pressure to write songs that are a certain way or that say a certain thing? 
or to stay away from certain topics that might be on their heart. I do feel like um, as a culture, as a our current Christian culture, we we do place a high value on giving answers or fixing. Hmm. So I do find a lot of the songs tend to be very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The very, very like fixer songs. Right. Rather than, you know, cliffhangers. <laughs> um, there, there's always seems to be a, a need to find resolution. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's ingrained within us. Yeah. We it, like beyond being beyond this Christian culture, we want to find a resolution. We want to find answers. Yeah. The tricky part is, is that um, in the like the narr- in the Jesus narrative, he rarely did give answers. So we're sort of like actually overstepping our bounds a little bit. I feel like mm-hmm. in trying to fix everyone. Yeah. If you were to, I mean, with that in mind, and would you, what would you say to someone who's stepping out today? and who's new as an artist or a musician or an artist or uh, um, like when I say artist, I mean in any sort of art form, what what would you say to them as they're contemplating what to communicate? I would say we have lost the art maybe of being subtle. Um, I love looking at some of the old paintings. Um, You walk through museums or um, you see some of the, uh, like the the famous paintings, artists that you know shaped the past few thousand years they um they have all these subtleties in their art it's like there's a picture and you look at it and you're like oh that's a guy and a girl or that's like a a family or that's like a bunch of people having a feast or whatever it is Mm -hmm. but when you look a little closer you see all these subtle things and that's maybe maybe partially where the phrase a picture's worth a thousand words came from. Um, Maybe the same thing could be said about music. We seem to be very, um, very obvious, very in your face, very literal, very like kind of hitting people over the head with these messages or answers. Maybe there's a little room, more room for subtlety where people can listen to something and, and kind of chew on it. And um, I think, I think it makes us smarter people too. <laughs> when we have to dig a little bit, um, when we're so literal and forceful, it, it it doesn't allow us to think. Do you do you try and put some of that in your lyrics? Yeah. Is there is there a song you can think of in particular that that you feel illustrates your uh, your desire to to write subtly with art? Uh, well, I think on this latest record I did, a lot of it is more like subtle messages of my own journey. So like, um, in a song up again, it's a sort of a, like a, like a happy sounding song, but it, it's a lot about a lot of failure and it's, it's sort of a letter to my mom who passed away a few years ago. You wouldn't know that unless you like looked at the lyric and yeah. maybe studied a little bit or, or maybe knew a little bit of my story. But if you, if you read the first two verses, you it could it could easily slide past you without knowing that. Um, so there's some subtlety in that. A song called "How You Love Me." Um, there's a lot of subtlety in that of of like um, just you know failure and and um, like approaching spirituality from a different angle. And, yeah. and a lot of it has to do with maybe my own journey, maybe mm-hmm. maybe other people's, but. Um, 
I think, yeah, on this record, that's, that's sort of what I tried to do a little more is be a little less obvious. Yeah. Well, I want, I want to talk about your, your newest record in just a second, but I mean, you mentioned it there and there's a lyric, we had the opportunity to tour together about a year ago and I, you know, I was familiar with a couple of your songs, but, but not the whole catalog. And I remember there was one lyric that I heard and it just, there's one song that gripped me because the lyrics, I just, they hit me so hard. I love this verse. It's from the borders where the nations war to the battles inside of our homes. Is it homes or hearts? Homes. Homes. Okay. From the streets where the orphans cry to the loneliness inside our hearts. That's right. And then verse three hits me. From the moment when my mother died to the first breath of my baby boy. That, those probably weren't easy lyrics to write. Yeah, no. So, so tell me about that journey and, and where the song um, In His Hands came from. It was sort of that um, taking a picture of different times in life and um, kind of saying that God is sovereign mm-hmm. and um, understanding that like in the lowest of lows or the highest of highs, um, it's sort of like when David said, if I go up to the heavens, you're there. Yeah. But then we forget what he said next. He said, but if I make my bed in the depths, still you're there. It's sort of that thing. Um, we tend to acknowledge God when we feel him or when things are going great. And when we can't feel him, we sort of block him out and picture him as not there. Yeah. Um, but it's not true, which makes me sort of go to the idea that God isn't a feeling or he isn't just a feeling, but we've really put him into a feeling or into things going good or into prayers getting answered. We tend to picture that as, as a sign of God's blessing or his presence. And we discard the low points as him not being there when in fact he's not any more or less there in good or bad. In in that low moment, which which sounds like it was a pretty tough moment for you, um, was there a moment where you started to go, <laughs> like, God, really? Really? Is How is this your sovereignty? Like, how, how did you deal with that in the midst of hurt? <clears throat> um, I don't know if, I don't know if I had that moment. Um, I had some, pretty um incredible moments actually just wow. maybe i never i never dealt with the bitterness thing against god um and the one thing i i sort of had the revelation is how quick life is and how you know just because someone says they're a christian it doesn't mean they're not going to die <laughs> yeah. Yeah. um it just it's sort of the number one all-time statistic mm-hmm. so um, I, I guess it just made me, made me realize how, how short life is for sure. Yeah. And I mean, none of it did make sense and there's nothing good to pull from it. Yeah. That's for sure. And that's, and that's a tough place to, to lie. Cause when you, when you feel disappointment or not even disappointment, just loss, uh, it's always something to, <laughs> there's no, there's no answer for it, ever. Right. And um, 
is there another time sort of in your career or your your life that you have experienced loss that was tough to get back up from or disappointment that was tough to get back up from yeah um 2015 16 i forget what year it was it was a few years ago where the record deal i had kind of fell apart wow and um yeah looked like it was sort of the end mm. of that um but it wasn't yeah it's funny when you th- you think there's a closed door but there's not always an open one so now you're with with word mm-hmm. and um just put out an incredible album with them tell me about that because i i feel like there's there's uh some more music to come in in its completion so tell me yeah tell me about the most recent project uh wherever i go yeah, so I released the um, first half of it, seven songs, uh, two months ago, and it's a collection of songs I've been writing. Um, I'm really pumped about it and got to do some really cool videos for it. Uh, the last year or two has been a lot of travel, so obviously there's the the main video where I went around the world in eight days. That was awesome. Did some stuff in New Orleans, uh, did some stuff in Memphis, some stuff in Detroit, some stuff in Iceland. Um kind of did videos everywhere it was yeah. it was a blast and then the second half is coming out um <clears throat> in a few months and that, that's eight more songs with some remixes and um i'm also really pumped about that it's also pretty different from the first half so well, yeah tell me about going around the world in eight days and what that was like uh because the way i remember you telling me the story was that as as even as you told me that you did that i'm immediately thinking that must have cost a fortune. Like, how does that even work logistically? Tell me about the process of doing that. Well, at the time, I was an uh, independent artist, so I was self-funding everything. So it had to be cheap. I came up with the idea. I was on tour with John Steingart and Hawk Nelson, and he loved the idea, and we were like, let's do this. And then I realized round-the-world fairs are expensive. So I just started like spending a lot of time online, and sort of trying to plan travel routes and get overseas and back from overseas because those are the expensive flights. Um, and I just found this, the right date combination. I feel I felt like I hacked the internet and I got the flights for the everyone's full fare for fifteen hundred bucks each. Wow! It's- so the whole it was actually uh, on on the grand scheme of music videos I've ever done not the most expensive. In fact, it was one of the cheaper ones. Hey, what's up? This is John from Hawk Nelson here on the Overflow Beyond the Music podcast. All right, so we got the chance to hear from Dan Bremnis about the video Wherever I Go, and I thought it might be cool if we called up John Steingard, the lead singer of Hawk Nelson, and we asked him a little bit about filming the video with Dan. So I started off chatting with John and asking him, how he first connected with Dan Bremness. Yeah, man. Well, we uh, we toured together a number of times. I think first uh, I met him on a Canadian Christmas tour, which was a 10-day tour that we did with Building 429, uh, that, that we being Hawk Nelson. Uh, we did with Building 429, and uh, Dan opened, I think, on that tour. And that tour was like... Man, it never got above like negative 25. It was so awful. <laughs> but uh, we commiserated, you know, over uh, hot chocolate and uh, Timbits, as you do. And uh, we hit it off. And then uh, Dan ended up 
opening on a 10th Ave tour that we did later on. And Dan's a great guy, and we just connected, and uh, the friendship kind of grew from there. See, I always find it really interesting to find out how these different artists connect and how these relationships form. Uh, sort of, and a lot of it seems to be through touring. But um, I also wanted to ask John uh, what his reaction was when Dan pitched the idea of the video. Okay, first things first here. When Dan pitched the idea for the Wherever I Go video, he, he like, said it with a twinkle in his eye. <laughs> and so I, and I, like, I knew him, but not, like, mega well. And so I was like, I don't, I don't think he's going to do this. And I was like, yeah, sure. I mean, like, if you want to figure out how to make it happen. But I wasn't going to, like, spend a lot of time, like, trying to see if I could make it happen. I was just going to do it if he could figure it out. And he figured it out. He's a travel wizard. Uh, so, uh, you know, evidently it was possible. And so $1,500 round trip and eight days. Yeah. And where, where did you go? So give us a, give us a couple locations and we'll, we'll make sure to post the link for the video so they can see the rest. Uh, Iceland, Italy, uh, Jordan, India, Egypt, Dubai, China. Wow. What was what was the location of those that stood out the most to you? Uh, probably Egypt. I'd always want to wanted to see the pyramids ever since I was really young, and it was it was every bit as satisfying as you could imagine. And here's John Steingard's reaction and answer to his favorite location on the video shoot. I think my favorite location was probably Egypt. Um, it it was probably one of the more dangerous locations we went to, and. It just was like when we were walking around the streets of Cairo, it was it just felt like we were in a bit of a war zone and we had like handlers that were keeping us safe and all this stuff. And it just felt exciting. And we stayed in this apartment building that felt like it, you know, had been bombed at one point, which is totally just an exaggeration. It's just my mind going there. Uh, but literally we were so close to the pyramids at the apartment that we went up to the, uh, top of the apartment building and I flew a drone from there over the top of the pyramids. And, uh, I got one of the most epic drone shots I've ever gotten. I'm sure it's illegal, but still pretty great and worth it. Well, that was definitely some cool insight from John Steingard who directed the video. He's also the singer of Hawk Nelson, but... Here we go back to my interview with Dan, and I asked Dan about part two of new music coming out and if there's any unique video concepts that are going to follow a new project coming out in the new year. There's a music video where I just sit at home for eight days. Really? I'm kidding. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think we'll post a link for that. <laughs> um, it's, um, it is, yeah, it's seven new songs. I can't believe that. And... Um, it's a little bit more progressive uh, in its production, and um, it sort of continues a little bit of that story of adventure and and um, faith, but also like some questions, some questions, um, some songs that have questions in them, and yeah, it's some of it's kind of open ended and nuanced, and I'm I'm excited about it. What's your favorite track off the upcoming album? Uh, the one I showed you the other night, actually, a song called "Let That Go." Um, I'm pretty pumped about that one. Yep. And you're filming a music video upcoming. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say that here, but you're yeah. filming a music video, 
tomorrow, actually, and whenever people are listening, this is probably will be done by then. But um, you're filming here in Canada, and what's uh, the music video for the song you're gonna be filming for? Uh, it's a song called Thunder, and filming it in Toronto, um, and it's uh, more of a performance video. So cool. we're playing with a lot of lights and different other elements. It should be fun. Yeah, well, we're looking forward to checking that out for sure. And you know, before before we wrap up, we always love to to get uh, a little bit of a speed round in and just some random questions to help to get to know you a little better. Are you down for that? Yeah. Because you have no idea what's coming. I don't. And you cannot preface your answers. That's the thing, is that you cannot give an excuse or a validation for your answer. Wow. Because you were just on Winter Jam Tour last year, and now you're going to be on Winter Jam Tour again this coming year. Mm-hmm. Now, last year on the tour, they had a non-artist artist named John Chris, comedian, very funny guy. What was your favorite joke in which he poked fun at an artist? Which artist did he poke fun at that was your favorite joke? Uh, it was usually, we did, um, we did like this VIP time every night where we came out and, um, he asked us questions and mine was usually with Carrie Job and Cody Carnes, um, and Russ Lee. And he would make fun of Carrie Job and it was funny because she is so sweet. <clears throat> She's the sweetest person ever. Um, but he would poke fun and and like of her songs of like he'd ask her questions like um like carrie who's your least favorite christian artist like he would just it was so funny it killed me so good okay so that there's your so that's a good one carrie joe and uh, i'm sure she's a great sport about it but favorite band you've ever toured with um 10th avenue north 10th avenue north okay yeah and and you're you're kind of neighbors with with Mike down in Nashville, right? Yep. See, I feel like everyone's kind of neighbors though in Nashville. It's one of those things, huh? Not really. No? No, because there's lots of houses in lots of different parts of town. There's That's... there's like three pockets that I can think of. There's East Nashville, there's Brentwood, and there's Franklin. And you're in one of those three. And if you're in one of those three, you don't cross-pollinate much at all. Oh, really? Yeah. And, and then newly, uh, what's the one way down there? Spring Hill. Spring Hill. Yeah, they're they're their own sad, sad, sad place. Ooh, careful now, careful now. We might have some <laughs> listeners in Spring Hill. Okay, so it's so far that's all. Okay, so you're in a city on tour. Who and you're looking for a great coffee suggestion? Who is the first person, first Christian artist or band member that you text for a coffee suggestion? For a coffee suggestion? Yeah. Or are you that guy? I'm like, there's not many things I, f- I feel like I can say that to except for that. I, yeah. I, I literally am that guy. You're that guy. People are texting me and it's, I'm proud of it and maybe ashamed of it because I just, I know too much now. Okay. Well then who's the last person you would ever <laughs> ask for a coffee suggestion? Um, thinking, thinking, I would almost say John Steingard. Really? Because John and I love John. He wouldn't. He wouldn't deny this at all. Um, this is John from Hawk Nelson. Yeah, he is the. He really appreciates good coffee, but he's not bothered to look for it. Hmm. And it's sad, but he is okay with that. He will drink a Starbucks and be totally fine, even if there was a, a place one block down. I would search that place out. And John, if he knew about it, he'd probably go. But he's happy. 
with an average cup, and it, it saddens me a little bit. If you were to tour with any band, who would you want to tour with? Like any band? Like any artist that, that takes you out and says, I want Dan Bremness on my tour. Nothing to do with numbers or size, but just going, man, I can't believe that I get to do this with this artist. And they wanted me on tour. Well, the thing about the, at least the Christian industry is, um, if you do it just for a few years, you, you pretty much have the chance to <laughs> tour with everybody, tour with everybody. Yeah. whether it's like you're at the same festival or right. you're on a tour with a few others. So and I'm, I'm like, I, I feel pretty hashtag blessed to have toured with a lot of these bands and, and, um, enjoyed it and been had very good experiences with almost all of them. Well, who was the first artist that you got to tour with that you kind of felt like out of your out of your league or out of your element going, "Whoa, okay, this is kind of legit now." Um, well, I did a tour with Stephen Curtis Chapman in Canada and it was um, himself and me. And that was definitely like a pretty like big gap wow, between yeah someone who's like a living legend and someone who was nobody. <laughs> so it was, it was, um, you know, pretty, pretty cool at the time. Out of all the songs in your library, what is a song that you don't often play live that you wish you had more time for to play live? Mm, maybe a song called over. Which, which record is that off of? Uh, where the light is. Where the light is. All right. Oh no, I'm going to change this. Um, a song called The King. Okay. Yeah, it's off my first record. All right. The King. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll make sure to put that on our playlist that we're going to be curating. And um, we'll make sure to definitely include that one as well as some of your new songs. But here's what I want to ask you just as we get ready to close. Give me a couple songs that will be on the Dan Bremness playlist that we can let our listeners check out that, that maybe it's some songs they've heard from some artists they know that you just happen to like, or maybe there's some some new songs that they haven't heard before, what would you suggest our listeners go check out on the Dan Bremness playlist? So, digging Sarah Reeves' music, digging um, Josh Garrels, mm-hmm. and um, Daniela Mason. Those are a few artists that I've added to my I have a playlist on Spotify. Uh, they have a few new great songs that I've been digging. Awesome. What is your favorite, most recommended song right now from any of those artists? And I know you're, I know you're probably bad with song names remem- remembering I can them. Tell you but... one. I can tell you one. I just did a tour with Plum, and I love her song, Crazy, Crazy About Crazy For You. Something like that. Crazy, crazy About, about you. you. That's crazy the one. About crazy you. About have You. you heard that, have you heard that one? I've not heard it yet. Listen to it on your way back. I will. It is a very, very special song. She's got such a powerful voice live, huh? She brings it every night. She's awesome. Well, hey, I appreciate your time. Thanks for hanging out with us on the Overflow Beyond the Music podcast. And as we close, we always love to close with some good music. We're going to throw to something off your Wherever I Go record. So what do you want us to throw to as we close this podcast today? Well, I mean, might as well go to Wherever I Go. All right. Well, we'll do that. Thanks, Dan, for hanging out with us. And for those of you listening, check out a little clip of Dan Brebness wherever I go. Yeah. I swam through the depths of my soul. No matter what I find, no matter what I find, oh, draw a fan.
Well, there's my conversation with Dan, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I learned some things about him that I didn't even know, and I hope it's informative. And I hope you got to see a picture of what Dan is like as an artist and where his heart is and where his journey has been. And and I hope that that can bring some of his songs to life. Again, that's why we do this podcast is so that it would bring the music and the artist to life, that we would understand more about what they've walked through and how it's influenced their music. So make sure you go check out Dan's music. He's got a project out right now called Wherever I Go. It's great. It's some of his best work. Make sure you give Dan a follow on Instagram. You can find him at Dan Bremness on Instagram. Give him a follow. Make sure you give us a follow. But hey, this concludes this episode of the Overflow Beyond the Music podcast. I'm your host, Josh McCabe. Thanks so much for tuning in. Make sure that you subscribe to this podcast on wherever you find it. And tune in next time. Cannot wait to be with you guys again real soon. 